0: Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of First Samuel. Well, hello there and good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. And today we're going to be reading First Samuel chapter 10, verses one through eight. And we just talked about Saul. Saul being introduced as the first king of Israel. And the only person that knows that Saul is going to be the first king of Israel so far is Saul, Samuel, and then Saul's servant, and then obviously God, because God was the one who chose Saul from the beginning. So now we're going to talk about the rest of Israel beginning to know that Saul is the king. But before Israel can know that Saul is going to be the next king, Saul himself first has to understand that he has a calling to be a king. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So grab your Bible out of the version that you prefer and also your cup of coffee this morning. And let's read 1 Samuel chapter 10 verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it on his or Saul's head. Then he kissed him and said, hasn't Yahweh anointed you to be prince over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, then you will find two men by Rachel's tomb on the border of Benjamin at Zelzah. They will tell you the donkeys which you went to look for have been found and behold, your father has stopped caring about the donkeys and is anxious for you saying, what shall I do for my son? Then you will go on forward from there and you will come to the Oak of Tabor. Three men will meet you there going up to God to Bethel one carrying three young goats and another carrying three loaves of bread and another carrying a container of wine. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hand. After that, you will come to the hill of God where the garrison of the Philistines is. And it will happen when you have come there to that city, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the high place with a lute, a tambourine, a pipe and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Then Yahweh's spirit will come mightily on you and you will prophesy with them and will be turned into another man. Let it be when these signs have come to you that you do what is appropriate for the occasion for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal and behold, I will come down to you to offer a burnt offering and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you are to do. In the portion we talk about today, Saul and Samuel are actually completely alone because in the last chapter, we talked about how Samuel asked Saul to send his servant ahead. And so that's what Saul did. He asked his servant to go on ahead and wait for him. So now in 1 Samuel 10, what we read today, Saul and Samuel are completely alone. And you'll notice the first thing that Samuel does is he actually takes out this vial of oil and then pours it on Saul's head. So I had to look up the significance of anointing oil, and apparently it's just something that kind of died as a tradition throughout the years, but it was very, very common, not just in the Middle East, but also other areas. For example, I learned that in the Iliad and the Odyssey, anointing oil was talked about because it was also a common practice in Greece to offer your guests anointing oil for their heads. Or when we talked about the book of Ruth, you'll notice that when Ruth was getting all pretty to go see Boaz, she anointed her head with oil. And then also here in 1 Samuel, chapter 10, Samuel anointed Saul with oil. So oil was kind of viewed as not a common occurrence, something that you do to refresh yourself, to make yourself smell good, because the oils would have like spices and things in them and they would smell very fragrant and very pretty. And so people would use that in their hair when they were making themselves refreshed. And so that's why people would offer their guests anointing oil when they came through the, through the door to refresh them from the long journey that they had to undergo in order to get to the house. So firstly, Samuel anoints Saul with oil. And I have to imagine that this oil that Samuel anointed Saul with was probably very special because don't forget that Samuel was a very special guy. He was the high priest and also the head judge of Israel. So I have to imagine that Samuel had some sort of special anointing oil just for this purpose. And so this made me actually go back to Exodus chapter 30, where God talked about the anointing oil specifically for the priests that only the priests were allowed to have. And so this anointing oil, if you go back to Exodus 30, it was made out of liquid myrrh, and it was also made of cinnamon, fragrant cinnamon is what God says, and then fragrant calamus, and then also of cassia and then, of course, olive oil. And all of this would become a fragrant blend that really only the priests were allowed to smell. And then, of course, this anointing oil would be used to anoint different things in the tabernacle, to anoint the priests, to anoint the high priest, and only the priests were allowed to smell it. So this actually made me question, if potentially Samuel used this particular anointing oil for Saul in this occasion, but it doesn't seem like it because here's what it says in Exodus 30, 32 through 33. Do not pour it on anybody else's body and do not take any other oil using the same formula. It is sacred and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and puts it on anyone other than the priest must be cut off from their people. So since Saul was not a priest he was a he was going to be a king i imagine that this particular oil could not have been what was used to consecrate Saul but even so whatever oil samuel had in this vial that he produced certainly was a special oil that i'm sure samuel had made up himself or knew the recipe for something along those lines to consecrate Saul as the first king of Israel. So this would have been a very momentous occasion for both Samuel and Saul. And notice what Samuel does after he pours the oil on Saul's head, on his hair. It actually says that Samuel kissed him. And this is not like a lips on lips kiss. Okay, this is a friendly kiss, you know, that that people around the world in some countries still do to this day. Samuel kisses Saul. And I really think that that is important that scripture included that little detail because it shows that even though Samuel was completely rejected by the people of Israel, he held no ill will toward Saul or towards Saul becoming the first king of Israel. And so that's very important to note. So then after this, Samuel says to Saul, hasn't Yahweh anointed you to become prince over his inheritance? God was really the one who was being rejected, right? Samuel was being rejected by the people, but technically they were rejecting God as the king of Israel who had set up the judges to be a mouthpiece for him. The Israelites didn't want God as their king. And yet God was willing to give the Israelites what they wanted And so Samuel says, Hasn't Yahweh anointed you to be the prince over his inheritance? God is is saying to Saul, I'm still the king, but I am going to allow you to become the prince over this inheritance of mine. (laughs) And that's just very beautiful because as we saw throughout the entire book of Judges, if you guys followed along in Judges with me, you would have seen how merciful God was to the Israelites over and over and over again. Even though the Israelites constantly rejected God, constantly wanted a king, constantly followed after other idols and just did really terrible things sometimes, God was so merciful to the people and often gave them what they wanted and what they asked for. And once again, God is giving the people what they ask for, a king. So then Samuel gives Saul some very specific Instructions. The first one being that once Saul catches up to his servant and departs from Samuel, three things are going to happen. The first thing that's going to happen is that Saul was going to find two men nearby Rachel's tomb who are going to tell Saul that his father was worried about him. So that's the first thing that would happen. The second thing that would happen was once they came to the oak of Tabor three men would be there. One would be carrying some wine. The other would be carrying three goats and the other would be carrying the three loaves of bread. And the man who is carrying the three loaves of bread would offer Saul and his servant two of the loaves. And then the last thing that would happen was that Saul would encounter these like musical prophets who would be prophesying. And Saul would become like another man prophesying right along with them. So why did Samuel tell these things to Saul? Why did Samuel say that these things would happen? Because first and foremost, Saul needed to know for sure that everything that Samuel was saying about him being the king was the truth. And then secondly, I think it was testing Saul's faith as well, his faith in God. But As you can see from these three prophecies that Samuel gives Saul, they get crazier and crazier (laughs) until the last one is so crazy. Like you would never imagine, you know, going in the street and meeting a band of musical prophesiers, right? Like (laughs) you wouldn't imagine that happening because if you look at the first thing Samuel talks about, and here's what it says in verse two when you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb on the border of Benjamin at Zelza, and they will tell you the donkeys which you went to look for have been found, and behold, your father has stopped caring about the donkeys and is anxious for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? That's not super out of the ordinary, right? For Saul to meet two men who knew his father and who knew about the donkey situation and knew that his father was worried about Saul because Don't forget that Saul's family had a lot of influence and Saul's dad was very rich, very prosperous, and so probably knew a lot of people. And so I imagine, you know, Saul running into two men, even though it was prophesied about that he would by Samuel, even though this is amazing, it's not completely out of the ordinary. So as you can see, the prophecies that Samuel gives Saul kind of get crazier and crazier. So that was the first prophecy that Saul would encounter two men. The second prophecy was that Saul would encounter three men near the oak of Tabor. And these three men, it says in verse three, they will meet you there going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three young goats, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a container of wine. They will greet you, and they will give you two loaves of bread which you shall receive from their hand. So this is kind of crazy. Like if you think about it, people don't just offer strangers gifts like on the street, (laughs) not too often anyway. But here is what was going on in this prophecy. Three men were going up to the synagogue to pray to God and to also offer some sacrifices. As you can see, there's three men. They have three goats with them. They also have three loaves of bread and then a container of wine. So all three men had sacrifices enough for each of them, if that makes sense. And so they're taking these sacrifices and they're going to Bethel with the sacrifices to offer them to God. But Samuel says that Saul is going to encounter these three men and that they are going to greet Saul And then give two of the loaves of bread that they have that they were going to offer to God, they're going to give them to Saul and to his servant instead. And maybe this is because Saul and his servant were out of bread. They still had a long journey back to their father's house. And it actually said in the previous chapter that Saul and his servant ended up depleting their resources. So they didn't have any food left these three men were going to give Saul and his servant enough food to get back to Saul's house. And yeah, that is a pretty crazy circumstance. That's a pretty crazy story because like I said, people don't just offer you gifts or food for no reason. So this prophecy is a little bit stranger than the one we see right before this with Saul encountering the two men, right? So the the prophecies are getting stranger and stranger. And then now we see the prophecy of the band of prophets coming down from the high place with a lute, tambourine pipe and harp while they're prophesying. And I'll go more into these guys when we talk about them on Monday. But this is a pretty crazy circumstance. And not only is Saul going to encounter this band of prophets, but Saul himself is going to feel compelled to join them and join in prophesying. Which is something that is clearly uncharacteristic about Saul. Because already, when we've been introduced to Saul, you can see that first and foremost, he is very not interested in the things of God. He didn't even know who Samuel was. He didn't even know who the judge of Israel was, who the high priest of Israel was. So Saul is clearly not interested in the ways of God or in anything spiritual, really. And lastly, from what we've seen of Saul so far, he's a very meek individual. So you can imagine that Saul on any normal day, even if he did encounter a band of prophets, you know, singing and dancing and prophesying, there's no way he would ever want to join in on that. Because (laughs) typically People who are more shy, right, don't want to be in the spotlight. They don't want to be prophesying up on stage or dancing up on stage or singing up on stage. And so that's why Samuel says to Saul in verse six Yahweh's spirit will come mightily on you. You will prophesy with them and will be turned into another man. (laughs) Because that's very uncharacteristic for somebody with Saul's personality, right? In verse seven, Samuel says, when these signs come to you, do what is appropriate for the occasion, for God is with you. So basically, Samuel says, just let the Spirit lead you. Once these three signs take place, and you know for sure that you're going to be the king of Israel, and you know that I haven't lied to you, then do what is appropriate for that occasion. And then lastly, Samuel gives Saul one more piece of instruction. He says, wait for me for seven days in Gilgal. I will come to you and I will perform a sacrifice and we'll move on to the next step of this process. So when we talk about this on Monday, I'm going to talk about these prophecies coming true. And I'm also going to talk about the prophesying band and not to mention, I will also talk about Samuel getting ready to declare Saul as the king of Israel to the rest of the people. So I hope you tune in then. But I also hope that you have a fantastic rest of your weekend and uh, that you stay healthy and that you stay well and you stay nice and warm in this very, very cold weather, which by the way, I have some wonderful hats for. I just got a new product in the P40 Ministry shop and it is a very comfortable beanie and it has the verse of Psalm 40 right on the forehead, and it looks really cool. And you're going to need one in order to fight off this cold that is now here. So P40 Ministries has you covered. Check out those hats in the shop linked in the description below. Faithful listeners, I will see you all on Monday, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up and listen. But until Monday, happy listening, happy weekend, and God bless.